Let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Shine within our hearts, loving Lord, and the true light of your divine knowledge, and open the eyes of our minds and hearts, that we may comprehend and obey the message of your word. Through Jesus Christ, our living word. Amen. The uh, Old Testament, our first lesson, is the word of the Lord from Jonah, chapter 3, verses 10, to chapter 4, verse 1, although there's a section that is uh, this chapter 4, verse 10 as well. Jonah is upset with God. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked his bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, Yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush, for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This is the word of the Lord. I see we have a visitor. Today's responsive Psalter is taken from Psalm 145, beginning at the first verse. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works and declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. The mighty of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed, and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, 
and abounding in steadfast love. The second lesson is taken from Matthew chapter 20, beginning at verse 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing, standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also... Go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And at about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, Why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, Call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last, then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the same usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last men worked only one hour, and you have made them equal with us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the, to the last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning we have Douglas Shepler as our guest preacher. Hopefully they have explained that when I'm done preaching, I'm done <clears throat> talking as much as possible today. And I am going to cancel the confirmation class because I don't think I can make it. I apologize, but I don't think it's going to work. Over and over again throughout my life, raising children, working with children at Milton Hershey School, and working within the church, I have heard people say a phrase that characterizes this text better than anything else I've ever heard. It's just not fair. And that is one of the primary learnings that all of us have to make and get about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not fair. It does not treat everybody the same. And the reason for that is because none of us are the same. When I was a young parent, I was pastoring a church in North Dakota. And an old lady who had raised 14 kids came up to my wife and me one morning after our firstborn was brought to the service. 
And she said, remember something. I raised 14 kids. And not one of them is the same. Each of them I had to love differently. The bottom line is an extremely important thing to a lot of business people today. Always we measure everything in the business world by the bottom line. And the bottom line is what? Profitableness. Profitability. What is the bottom line of the kingdom of God? What is Jesus teaching us? The bottom line for the kingdom of God is God will love whomever he loves, however he chooses to love them. Now either you get that and you accept that or you don't get anything at all about this thing called the kingdom of God. Jonah is upset because non-Jews in Nineveh are getting... He's ticked off about that. He wants them to get double H-E, double hockey sticks. And they're not. Instead, they're getting mercy. The kingdom of God is always, always, always about mercy and forgiveness and love. And when we understand the verse at the end of our passage today in the psalm, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You got to remember that that's true. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. For those of us who struggle with sin on a daily basis, that's also good news. Because I don't know about you, but there are some sins that I do over and over again. And I know I shouldn't, but I do. And when I do, I get to the point of saying, God, will you forgive me one more time? And I beat myself up because it's been so many times I've told God, I won't do it again. And I do it again anyway. God loves us beyond our inability to do better. There is nothing more like the love of God than the love of a parent whose child has been incarcerated for some kind of wrongdoing or is addicted to some kind of disease or practice. And they see the child in the midst of all of that pain and at the same time know that it's their child. And no matter what, they will love him and her. That is a human measure, as small as it may be, of the love of God. And the kingdom of God for us is participation in that love. All God asks us to do is to get the word out that no matter what, no matter how badly we screw up, 
no matter how badly we continue to do things wrong, no matter how great or deep or long our sin is, God's love is still more. I don't know how to let that sink in any other way than to say it one more time. The love of God is always more than our own sin. There's no conditions to that. Whether you like it or not, there's none. Now, how does that make you feel? But, Pastor Doug, what about, what about, it's just not fair. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's grow up and let's realize that the love of God is a mystery beyond what you and I will ever be able to understand or measure. And that love is not only for us. It is for anyone who walks through those doors. Anyone who walks into our lives. Anyone who breathes. Why, Jonah even has God say that his redemption for Nineveh may even extend to the animals. Yes, God even loves the greater creation more than we. Let's pray. I wish I could talk loudly to emphasize how much is your love, but it still wouldn't be enough. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for making your divine truth real to us in Jesus Christ. Our confession of faith this morning is the, are the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand and say the words with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen.